But again, I'm just, I'm just going to dive in, kind of get started. Let me ask you, because for me, over the last month, it's been a really tough month. It's just been difficult. Uh, lots going on, a lot of things, not only here with the church, with hiring and going through that process, but also just uh, with the management team that I work with, with a, one of our church plants, um, and issues that are going on. It's just, it's just been a difficult, difficult time for me personally, just lots of stress and worries. And so um, it, I'm always taken back when, you know, and you, I'm sure you've seen this as you're watching TV and that commercial comes on for that miracle pill. You know, it's that miracle pill that all you got to do is take it and all your worries are gone and the pain is gone. No more, you know, no more joint pain, no more whatever. And they have this miracle pill that you can take. And then the last 30 seconds, the last 30 seconds of that commercial is where they get you. Because the last 30 seconds is the warning. It goes something like this. Warning, this drug may cause joint pain, nausea, leg cramps, headaches, shortness of breath, rapid heartbeat, or ringing in the ears. If trips to the bathroom become greater than 12 per hour, you should call your urologist. You may find yourself becoming lost or confused or compulsively repeating the phrase, no can do. Uh, Avoid taking it all possible. Now, I know that that's kind of a little out there, but the fact is, in the fine print of life, there's a long list of side effects. We don't think about it, we forget about it, but life comes with a long list of side effects. In fact, we all tend to carry around a backpack filled with with stuff that stresses us and strains and worries and weighs us down. It's really interesting. About three years ago, Time Magazine had an article that said that we're actually under more stress now than we've ever been in our history. They said all the technology has not made life easier. They said, in fact, it's made it more complex, and so there's more to worry about. There's more to remember. There's more responsibilities. There's more deadlines, and there's more pressure, and more and more and more and more. And it just keeps adding up. And the article went on to say that even with all the advances in medicine, a lot of us are worrying more about our health than we ever have before. It's crazy, isn't it? So if that's the case, then what's the answer? Well, we began a new series last week called The Struggle is Real. It's just teachings from Psalm 23. One of those psalms that you probably learned as a kid. One of those psalms that have probably stuck with you most of your life. And as we began, the thing that I think that was important for me to remember, because this is what I told the elders this morning before when we prayed together before the first service, I simply said, you know, the last couple weeks, the last month, like I said, has just been very difficult. But the last two weeks, putting these messages together, it's like I was doing it for myself. And it and it just really meant a lot to me and just really uplifted me. And the thing from last week that was really important for me to remember is this. Even though life is tough and even though the struggle is real and even though I have worries and concerns and anxiety and pressures, get this, my shepherd is real as well. My shepherd is real. And so over the next remaining five weeks, we're going to continue this amazing journey one that will allow us to dive deeply into the pools of Psalm 23. 
And as we do, one of the beautiful things that this psalm is going to do for us is it's going to paint a beautiful picture of our God. And it's going to help him or help us to see him maybe in a new way. And so like we did last week, I want us just to stand together and I want us to read this beautiful psalm together. Go ahead and stand with me. Are you ready, church? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. He leads me on paths that are right for the good of his name. Even if I walk through a very dark valley, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your rod and your shepherd's staff comfort me. You prepare a meal for me in the front of my enemies. Eat your poor oil of blessing on my head. You fill my cup to overflowing. Surely your goodness and love will be with me all of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and you may be seated. So let's dive in. Last week we began to unpack just the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. And as we did, we accented just three of those words. We accented the word Lord, the word my, and the word shepherd. But most of our time was spent on that word Lord. And one of the key takeaways for me and hopefully for you last week was simply this. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. We need to write that down. We need to put that where we can remember it. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. You see, the word Lord means boss and master, leader of. It's a reminder that when we surrender our lives to him, we literally turn control over our lives to him as well. It also means that I don't have to worry about my worries anymore. Why? Because I gave my worries to my shepherd, and he's carrying them for me. He's put that backpack full of stuff on his back, and he's carrying it. As Peter said last week, in 1 Peter, we cast all our cares, all of our anxieties on him, and he carries it. It's pretty awesome. That brings us to the next phrase that we mentioned for just a moment last week that I want us to unpack today. And it's that phrase, I have everything I need. I have everything I need. Now, here's, what a lot of, here's where a lot of people get themselves in trouble. They confuse having everything they need with having everything they want. And they're not the same. In fact, they're different. You see, wants can be all over the place, can't they? I mean, we want the latest and greatest smartphone. We want a new home. We want a new car. We don't want more money. We want a jet ski. We want to be in a cool place. We want, you know, everything in the REI catalog. And the list can go on and on and on and on. We want, we want, we want. Let me tell you, Psalm 23 is not saying that the Lord is going to give me a prepaid Amazon Prime account where I can just go get whatever I want. It's not saying that. It's not saying that the Lord is my sugar daddy or my personal Santa. It's not saying that. It's saying that the Lord is my shepherd. And get this, a shepherd knows what his sheep need. A shepherd knows what his sheep need. When David uses the phrase, I have everything I need, 
he's saying that I will not lack for anything that I really need in order to do life. And this is the key, under the leadership of my shepherd. He provides us with everything we need in order to do life under the leadership of our shepherd. Here's the thing. This, in a lot of ways, is really a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith that says, I'm learning to be content. I'm learning to be satisfied with my life because I have surrendered the control of my life to my shepherd, who is the Lord God. And I will trust him to provide and take care of all my needs every single day of my life. Have you learned to be content? Have you learned to be satisfied in the Lord? And here's something that you may not realize. This is really the keynote of Psalm 23. Because the rest of the verses are really just an extension of this core idea. Because they go on to describe in different ways how our shepherd loves and cares and provides for us in the way that a good shepherd would care for his sheep. Now, there's something else that's important to remember. Just because we have everything we need, just because we are learning to be content and satisfied in the Lord, that does not mean that the struggles of life are over. You get that? Just because we're learning to be content, that we're learning to be satisfied, just because we have everything we need, it doesn't mean the struggles are going to be over. I mean, after all, even though all the needs of the sheep are taken care of by the shepherd, they still experience rain and hail and storms and rough terrain and attacks from the enemy, and the list can go on and on. And David understood this in his life. He had to fight off lions and bears. He had to fight a giant named Goliath. He was hunted by Saul. His own son Absalom was, Absalom was estranged to him. He had to live with the consequences of his disobedience to God. You see, David understood that just because his shepherd was the Lord, it didn't exempt him from the struggles that life would bring. And the same is true for us. As the Lord's sheep, even though we have everything we need, we will still experience and go through difficulties. There will be trials. We will experience the consequences of the sin that's in our life. We will have hardships, but the cool thing is this. We also have everything we need in order to get through those times as well. Never forget that. We also have everything we need in order to get through those times. Here's the thing. I want you to, I want you to remember this. Write it down if you can keep up, but I want you to remember this. There won't be an absence of difficulties and struggles. There's not going to be an absence of difficulties and struggles in our life, but there will be the presence of your shepherd. And he will either take you out of the danger or he'll take you through the danger. But either way, you will never be without what you truly need to survive life. You get it? It doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulties and struggles, but it does mean that we'll be the presence of your shepherd. And he'll either take you through them or out of them. 
But either way, he gives you everything you need to survive life. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. I love this. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms. Isn't that awesome? But look at this, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother's sheep with their young. This is what that's saying to me. As I read that, I can sense the very heart of my shepherd. And what it's saying is this. When I go through these difficult times and those struggles, and when life gets really real in my life, I've got a shepherd who wants to just reach down and pick his sheep up and hold me close to his heart. Let me tell you, there's not a better place to be, is there? When you're going through those times in your life. Now here's something else that's really cool. Did you know that when sheep are anxious, they are actually calmed by the voice of their shepherd? The voice of their shepherd calms them down and gets them through. Maybe that's why in the passage we looked at last week, Jesus said these words in John 10. He says, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice. Get that. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. You know what's cool about this? That this is kind of referring to? In this time, not only would a shepherd have his sheep out in a in an area where, where they were just feeding, but other shepherds would be there too. Other shepherds will have their sheep in there as well. And at the end of the day, each shepherd would go to a different part of the field and just call the voice with his voice, and he would call the sheep. And the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd, and they would follow their own shepherd. Why? Because they know his voice. They know his voice. And as we said last week, do you know the voice of your shepherd? I mean, when he calls you, do you hear? Because you know his voice. In the movie, Selma, Martin Luther King Jr. is facing one of those really tough moments. I mean, the struggle is real and the pressure is mounting. There's been violence that he didn't want to happen. The government's on him and his family is paying a price for all of this. He's got a really heavy heart, doesn't know if he can continue on. He's wavering in a difficult moment at night. Before he goes to bed, he picks up the phone, he calls Mahalia Jackson, and he simply says this, I need to hear God's voice. I need to hear the voice of the Lord. And so in the middle of the night, she begins to sing. Gracious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am weak, I am 
Now, you probably don't have a famous Christian artist on your speed dial to call upon in the middle of the night, but you do have a good shepherd who's always there 24-7. And I believe that if you will listen to his voice, you will hear him singing over you these words, I'm your good shepherd. In me, you have all that you need. I will take care of you. I'll take your hand. I will lead you home. And he sings that over you. You see, the word psalm means song. And this is a song that was sung by Israel in worship. And now it's sung by God over you. And I believe he's singing, I'm your shepherd. He's singing, you have everything you need in me. Now, before we bring this to a close, let me give you just a couple takeaways that you can hang on to. You see, the next time your wants overshadow your needs, and the next time you're questioning whether or not the Lord will take care of you, first of all, do this. Stop gazing and start grazing. Now, say that with me, okay? Stop gazing and start grazing. In other words, instead of constantly staring through the fence at something you don't have, but you think you really want and need, Something you think would make you happy, stop gazing and start grazing on the uh, grass that's right in front of you. Here's the thing. Shepherds will tell you that some sheep are always focusing on the other pasture. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Actually, it's greener over the septic tank, but that's another story. (laughs) So instead of enjoying what they have, they're always roaming, looking for something that's just a little better. Shepherds call them fence crawlers. They're the kind of sheep that are always discontented, never satisfied, always looking for something more. Here's the thing. God gives us all kinds of gifts and blessings, but instead of grazing on them, instead of enjoying them, sometimes we spend a lot of our time and energy gazing on what others have and what we want. And when that happens, our life will tend to look more like this version of Psalm 23. And it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd, but I see a lot of stuff I think I really need. I stumble from store to store, from counselors to self-help books, seeking relief, but I haven't found it yet. I creep through the valley of the shadow of death, and I fall apart because I fear everything from pesticides to power lines, from taxes to terrorists, and I'm starting to act like a neurotic freak. My boss named Rod and his entire staff are no comfort to me. When I go to work, I'm surrounded by a table of my enemies. 
I anoint my head with extra strength, Excedrin, my Jack Daniels runneth over. Surely misery and misfortune will follow me all the days of my life unless I can find some greener grass somewhere else. Here's the thing. It comes down to two words, contentment and control. Contentment and control. In fact, contentment and control in some ways go hand in hand. Why? Because if you're in control, if you're the one that's trying to run your life, you will never be content. And you'll never be satisfied because you will always want more. You'll want something different. But if you give the Lord, who is your shepherd, control of your life, then contentment will be something that you learn to develop as you trust him more and more with your life. So stop gazing and start grazing. Start enjoying the grass that's right in front of you. Focus on the blessings he's given and feed on them. Guys, instead of trying, and wives, instead of trying to make your spouse fit into something that they can never be, start grazing on what God has given you. And enjoy the blessings of your spouse. Husbands, go home today and sit on the couch by your wife and just start nibbling on her ear. She asks what you're doing, just say, I'm grazing. I'm grazing. Because God has given you to me. And you're a blessing in my life. But the second thing, I just added that in there. Actually, it wasn't in my notes. Second of all, we need to learn to change our perspective. Learn to change your perspective. You see, perspective refers to how you look at things. It doesn't change your circumstances, but it, it, it will change how you look at the reality of those circumstances. I like this. Several years ago, a preacher told his congregation, when you find yourself feeling your situation is pretty bad and you're starting to gaze instead of graze, just say these words. It could be worse. Could be worse. Everybody say that with me. Are you ready? Could be worse. We could be outside, not in here. Could be worse. That's right. We think it is, but yes. For example... Now, again, I know this is a little cliche, but it's true, okay? So, for example, when you go home today after church and you walk in your house and you begin to think to yourself, man, I wish I had a bigger, better, nicer, and cleaner house. Instead of thinking that, just say, thank you, Lord, for providing us a place to live. After all, Lord, it could be worse. When you're driving to work or just running an errand and you see that beautiful new car and you realize you're driving an old Dodge minivan with rust and duct tape and coffee stains and bent antenna and windows don't, don't roll up and down. And you're tempted to think, if I only had that new car, I would be so much happier. Instead of saying that, just say, Lord, thank you for what I have. After all, Lord, it could be worse. Now, when you step out of the shower tomorrow morning and you're tempted to do that very foolish and ill-advised thing called looking in the mirror, <laughs> and it causes you to think, man, I wish I had her body or her complexion or his muscles or his six-pack. Instead, just say, Lord, thanks for making me who I am. Thanks for loving me the way I look. After all, Lord, it could be worse. 
<laughs> and if you're married and you wake up tomorrow morning and you look over at your spouse, just remember, husbands, she's probably thinking, it could be worse. <laughs> could be worse. Here's the, th yeah. Here's the thing. If you only focus on what you don't have, then you're going to completely miss out on the joy and the blessings and the provisions that he is pouring and wanting to pour into your life. You may not have that new house or that new car, that new body you think you need or want, but you've got a shepherd who loves you and who is willing to lay down his life to show you that he will take care of you and provide for you and protect you as you go through this journey called life. You see, it's perspective. It's perspective. Let me remind you of a few things. Did you know that every hour of every day, thousands of kids under the age of five are dying from the lack of clean water or enough food to survive on? And over 20 million people live in poverty and don't have enough food to make it through the day. You see, we need to be reminded of that because the truth is tonight at some restaurant or some bar in this area, the biggest concern of some people while watching the Olympics or a ball game will be, did they cook my steak right? I mean, it was rare instead of medium rare, or it was well done instead of medium. And we'll complain because the food we've been given doesn't meet our personal standards, while millions and millions of people and kids wish they could just eat the leftovers on our plate. Let me tell you, I'm just as guilty as you are. That's why we all need to learn to be grateful and content with what God has given us. You see, it's a matter of perspective. Maybe. Maybe that's the reason that the Apostle Paul could sit in a dark, damp dungeon, chained to guards 24-7, and yet in spite of these things, he could write these amazing words in Philippians 4.4. He just writes, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Think about that. Man, he's in a dirty, dark hole in the ground. Chained to guards, 24-7. Literally, he could be yanked out of there at any moment and killed at the drop of a hat. And yet he says, be full of joy and rejoice. It's a matter of perspective. And if that's not enough, do you remember what we referred to last week? Because in the next few verses, he says, don't worry about anything, but instead what? Pray about everything. And he said, when we do that, get this, man, we get an incredible amount of peace that the world will never understand. And then right after that, he tells us the secret that allows him and us to graze on what the Lord has given Look at verses 11 and 12. This is what he says. Not that I was ever in need. Think about that statement. Not that I was ever in need. He's in prison. He's got some needs, doesn't he? Not that I was ever in need. Forget this. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And at that moment, he has nothing. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then he tells us the secret. 
In the very next verse, look what it says. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You see what the difference is? You see what the difference in perspective is? The difference is this. It's Jesus, our Lord and our shepherd. He's the one who allows us and allows me to graze on the grass that I've been given and who gives me the strength to carry on no matter what struggles come into my life. But this is why I love. He's not done encouraging us. He's not done helping us with our perspective. He's not done helping us learn contentment. So he goes and he gives us this amazing, transferable promise down in verse 19. Look what he says. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Here's my paraphrase of that for my life. All of my needs are provided for in Jesus because he's the same God who took care of Paul in prison, who spoke through song to Martin Luther King Jr., who has bailed out, helped out, and come to the aid of Jerry and Lucy Jones time and time again throughout our life together. This same God will take care of all and will supply all of our needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Jesus. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Everything. Let's reflect. And as we do, I just want to ask you a few questions. In what part of your life are you gazing when you could and should be grazing? What part of your life are you gazing where you should be grazing. Now, I was being a little humorous earlier with husbands and going home to their wives, but the reality is too many husbands and wives are gazing on what they don't have instead of grazing on what they do. It's about time we learn to love our spouse and love them as a gift from God. Some of you parents tend to graze or gaze at what other kids are like. And you've lost perspective of what your own kids are like and what God has given you in those kids. Somehow you want them to be like that family or that family. You want them to make that great or that great or be that sports person or this sports person instead of enjoying them for who they are. Well, what part of your life are you gazing instead of grazing? Have you learned to say with Paul, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have? Can you honestly say that? One final question. Is Jesus enough for you in your life? Is Jesus enough? I'm serious about that. I mean, if everything in your life was stripped away and the only thing left was him, would he be enough for you? Would he? If everything was taken and all you had left was your relationship with Jesus Christ, would that be enough to sustain you and satisfy you and give you contentment as you move on in life? Would it be? Is he enough? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. 
Do you believe that? Are you living that? Are you showing that to others in your life? Adam's going to come and, and we're gonna, he's going to play and we're going to reflect. And I just want you to look honestly in your heart. I had a first time visitor, a young girl came up this morning during this time just for prayer. And we, I had Rhonda Brown go back and pray with her. She was just going through some things in her life she just needed help dealing with. Ron and Elizabeth Walden came just to say they want this to be their home. And they came to join this body of believers while they're here. I don't know what's on your heart, but I do know this is the time to begin to look inside and ask the tough questions. Is he enough for you in your life? If everything was stripped away, if everything was taken, would Jesus be enough to get you through and to sustain you? in life. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I do know you need to ask those questions. So if you're visiting with us today, one thing you need to know about me and this church, and that is this, I will never back down from challenging you to be who you need to be in Christ, who I need to be in Christ. I mean, after all, you can stay home and watch a TV preacher and not have to do anything. But if you're going to come here and I'm going to put my time and effort into a message you better believe I'm going to challenge you to leave here better than you were when you came, maybe. And so my prayer is that you'll accept that challenge and just begin to look inside and say, you're right, I, there's some things I need to change. I need to learn contentment. I need to learn what it means to just be satisfied in Christ because he is enough for me. He's enough. He's enough. So whatever you have, whatever's going on, if you need prayer today, just come. And we will pray with you and we will encourage you. Let's reflect.